Good morning. I've got an interesting author today of a book called Santa Claus Worldwide. His name is Tom German, a resident of Asheville, North Carolina, and he is a writer and was employed as a copy editor for the Salt Lake Tribune, and he's practiced labor and employment law with two of the nation's largest law firms. He took early retirement to pursue writing things that he thought was more interesting, including this book, Santa Claus Worldwide, A History of St. Nicholas and Other Holiday Gift Bringers. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How are you? Good. So you've had an interesting history. So you were working as a reporter, essentially, copy editor with the Salt Lake Tribune. And then you were practicing law. So you became a lawyer, correct? Correct. Yeah, I was with two very large law firms for a total of about 35 years, and then I decided to do something socially worthwhile. I was wondering how someone goes from being a lawyer, kind of more serious and heavy stuff, to writing a book about Santa Claus. I had been a collector of Santa Claus figurines for probably 30 years. Oh. I started off slowly, and as time went on, I collected more and more every year, combination of figurines, ornaments, uh, antique postcards, and so on, until I had, I think, currently around 4,500 figurines and thousands of postcards. Oh, my goodness. So are these all on display somewhere that others can enjoy them? They should be, but uh, what we ended up doing, and this will illustrate the extent uh, uh, to which I think I got carried away, was we built essentially a third floor in our home where the attic was. We built that out, put stairs up, and that became the storage area (laughs) for my Santas, and then once a year, uh, we would take them out for a month or so and put them all back for another 11 months. When you were a kid, were you obsessed or fascinated by Santa? Was that, does it go back that far? I was, like many kids, a big fan of Christmas. I don't think uh, I was unusual in that regard, but I, I did love the Christmas season, the cooking. I used to bake with my mother, the decorating. I used to go out with my father, and he was a bit of a perfectionist. And this is in the olden days where they did not trim the Christmas trees as they grew. They just sort of, you know, they they got what they got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We would spend maybe uh, four or five days looking for the perfect tree. And, uh, Yeah, it was a bit of an obsession with him, and then we would decorate it. We used something called flock. I don't know if folks remember that, but you spray white stuff, you sprayed it on the tree to make it look like it snowed, Mm -hmm. and then put the ornaments on, and then for the next four or five days, my dad would walk around and rearrange every single ornament. Oh, my gosh. So now you wrote this book about Santa Claus, and... Although it's interesting reading your book because there's many, many different versions of Santa Claus. So first of all, who invented the American Santa Claus? The American Santa Claus, which is the one properly called Santa Claus, was created in two poems. 
1821 For the naughty and, kids, is that what they were saying? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. The naughty boys, and somehow uh, the, the naughty kids were always the boys, and okay. the good kids were always the girls, but hmm. we won't go into that uh, complaining at this point. The book did not sell very well, but one of the people who bought it lived directly across and worked directly across Broadway in, in South Manhattan from... The printer, William Gilly was the printer. The person who worked across the street was Clement C. Moore. He was uh, the son of the Bishop of New York. His father was also president of Columbia University. He was a very accomplished fellow. He bought the book, we think, and decided that the basic story was a good story for his two oldest daughters, but he needed to rewrite it as a family-friendly, warm-hearted poem. So he took probably a year after it came out to write a poem that began, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." And that poem has everything that you need to know about Santa Claus, how he dressed, what he looked like, his gift-giving, practices and so on and very little has changed since 1823 it's bicentennial as you of of that uh, poem you mentioned that the first book in 1821 had the reindeers involved were the reindeers flying reindeer in that first case as well and i wonder how they came about yes those why flying reindeer of all things they they were and and um, that's what i think really pins down the fact that Clement Moore did not independently make up his story because the the chances of the two writers living 90 yards apart uh, both coming up with a book about flying reindeers so slim that you have to assume Clement Moore read and, and copied William Gilley's work. Well, that's the American Santa Claus, but you also write about the diversity of other gift givers throughout the season. Older white men, as you describe them, like St. Nicholas, there's Santa Claus, there's Father Christmas, there's Pierre Noel. Can you give us some examples of some others from around the world and where they fit in with the American Santa Claus? Were they prior to or after? Sure. Most of them were prior to. The midwinter gift givers, and I use that term because there were various holidays in December or early January around the winter solstice that were celebrated, and there were gift givers at most of these. If you go back 4,000 or 5,000 years, the gift givers were 
the pagan gods like Odin from Germany or Saturn from Rome. Roughly the 4th century A.D., so this is 350 years after Christ was born, the Catholic Church, which was the only Christian church that existed for many, many years, decided that they did not want uh, pagan gods involved in a, a Christian ceremony. And so they created or assigned, it may be a better word, the job of gift giver to a Christian figure, a saint named Nicholas of Myra. And he became the Christian gift giver for a thousand plus years. And he wasn't the Christmas gift giver because he brought gifts on the feast day of St. Nicholas, which was December 6th. And it wasn't until 1821 when William Gilly decided to have uh, the person he called Santa Claus arrive on Christmas Eve that they moved the the gift-giving to Christmas. It was originally on St. Nicholas Day. Hmm. And that persisted through Reformation. In 1517, the Reformation was the break-off of the Protestant religions from the Catholic religion. And the Protestants believed that there should not be saints, there should not be any intermediary between man and God, that it should be a direct relationship. And therefore, the 86th uh, uh, Paul St. Nick but not in Catholic regions, so, you know, France, Austria, regions that, that remained Catholic after the Reformation still had St. Nicholas. But the other regions came up with a variety of figures. Uh, there's probably 25 different names, and they're local or regionalized names. I call them the terror men because they were terrifying. <laughs> they look like they've been sent into the woods for years and sort of live on their own, that long beards, hair, clothes made out of animal pelts. Uh, the best example I, 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 I come up with is, for those who've read the Harry Potter books, the terrorman looked just like Hagrid would if he was about half as tall as he, he, he was. That's what all of these figures looked like, and they were regional. So you had Father Christmas in England, you had Knecht Ruprecht in uh, Central Europe, you had Hell's Nickel in Central Europe, Ashenclaus. These were all variations. The names were variations of Nicholas, uh, but they were secular. They were not religious. And they did not have any evil helpers. Uh, St. Nicholas was known for having evil helpers, such oh. as Krampus. The, the terror men did it all on their own. They were both discipline and gift-giving. And gradually, over time, those gift-givers evolved into the 
gift givers we know today. In Germany, that is Weihnachtsmann. In um, Russia, uh, the gift giver is Dead Moroz, and that means Grandfather Frost. Hmm. He is not, he's one of the few that is not even ostensibly connected to Christmas because, as you may recall, that after the Russian Revolution, the Russian nation went atheist, and it became a matter of policy that they were atheists. The same occurred in Germany during the Nazi raid. And so both of those nations ended up keeping the gift giver, someone who looked like the gift giver, but who was not Christian, but rather who was a secular person of the old pagan gods uh, in most cases. So that's how you end up with dozens of different gift givers all over the world. Well, so... Are all of them were pretty much evil? When did they become good? Well, they were always good. Oh, okay. And they, they always had a, a duality. They were oh. good to the kids that were good, and the kids that were not good got punished. Uh, that has always been the basic practice. That's, remember the song, you better watch out, you better not cry. Uh Yes. And excuse my singing, but but that that duality where where the gift giver punished the bad kids, or as we say, the kids who behave badly. They're not bad kids; they just behave badly, and uh, brought gifts to the kids who behave well. That has been going on for thousands of years. Uh, what is the difference between Saint Nicholas and Santa? Then is is uh, Santa more of a just a fictitious character in St. Nicholas who was based on the saint? Is that the biggest difference? That is that is one of the biggest differences, that St. Nicholas was based on someone who, who supposedly was a real person and who became a saint, although the Catholic Church last century made his sainthood optional, which was sort of a, a, a big demotion. But St. Nicholas remained the gift giver in a lot of nations. If you go to, for example, Holland or, or the Netherlands, as, as we call it these days, you'll find St. Nicholas, and you'll find a secular version of St. Nicholas named Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. And Sinterklaas has an, a helper. He's not really an evil helper. Some of them are, but his name is Black Peter, it evolved, that person uh, figure evolved in, into an unfortunately sort of racist depiction in blackface, and there's been a lot of criticism of that, and I think it's in, in the process of changing to just Peter, but uh, that's an example of how every every nation or every region has its own figure, but they all follow the basic premise of we come around once a year, we bring gifts to the good kids and the kids that misbehave. We don't bring them gifts. We hole or we leave wooden switches or something like that. 
So are there traditional gifts that are given by these gift givers? Is there anything that pops up again and again? I mean, now, you know, parents get their kids toys or electronics or whatever. But back then, throughout the history, was there something that was given to good kids, for example? Sure. The most common things that uh, gift givers would bring were things that aren't that extraordinary to our way of thinking, but they were very important then, which is fruits, nuts, and candy. Ah. Those were things that were not so easy to get in 300 AD, for example. It was, if you lived in Central Europe, it was very hard to get uh, oranges. So oranges were, were a big treat. And that was the primary gift early on. It was only later that in the period where Santa Claus became the American gift giver that they expanded into toys and that's probably due to the influence of the toy companies right nonetheless that's what happened you know it's interesting you mentioned that fruit nuts and candy were the gifts because i recall after going to church when i was younger being in the sunday school christmas programs afterwards we would always get a bag filled with candy fruit and nuts and i never thought that that might be tied to some tradition i just thought oh this is kind of fun they just give us a little treat and so it sounds like that was rooted in some tradition. It was. In my home, I grew up in Utah in a, a Catholic family, and our stockings always had fruit, and like an orange or something that would hold out the toe, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the candy and the nuts, and then we would get one or two very small toys, and that was, that was it. But it was, to us, uh, a big deal. Yeah, I remember my mom back in the day talking about how they got a 10-cent pair of scissors each of the kids on the Christmas tree, and that was their gift way back when. And yeah. that was such a big deal, or getting an orange was a big deal back then. And, of course, things are much different today. Yeah, it's all relative. But if you don't get something like, say, nuts, ordinarily, nuts are a big treat. You know, one of the fun, funny things I, I read, you you do a pretty extensive research into kind of all the traditions of these gift givers and, and different things. And one I found funny, there was a picture of this log in the book with a face on it, you know, just like a, a short log and it had little legs yes. on it with a, a Santa, it looked like kind of a Santa hat on it. And it says, this photograph shows one of the most unusual Christmas traditions. It's Tio de Nadel, the pooping log of Catalan, Spain. And I thought... What in the world? How did how does that relate to Christmas? I wasn't sure if I could actually say that. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> just thought that was so funny. That's when... <laughs> what he was called. Uh, it's a region in the northeastern corner, a region of Spain. And the way this would work is the log would they would put little, little smaller sticks to represent the hands and the feet and a paper face, and then they would cover it all except for the face with a blanket or or some sort of uh, cloth. And every night leading up to Christmas, the parents would put a little bit more candy underneath the blanket, and then on Christmas Eve, the kids would be given sticks would start beating this figure and singing, pooping log, pooping 
<laughs> give us your gifts. Oh, and then the parents would eventually pull off the, the covering and there would be um, all, all of the treats <laughs> that uh, were being left for them. It sounds like there's just a lot of interesting traditions that did they just develop out of people being bored and thinking up strange things like that or, or what? Well, they, they developed from each other, if that makes any sense. Each tradition would evolve. And a tradition in, in one region or one nation might be adopted by another, but they would modify it slightly. And then 50 years or 100 years later, it would be modified by another religion or another region, and it would be modified uh, slightly. So things like the poems we've been talking about were part of the process of modifying the traditions. If you look at Germany, which is probably the nation with the strongest Christmas traditions, there are songs about the Weihnachtsmann, which translates as Christmas man, that were published in the 1830s. And so that's where the name came from. There were pictures in newspapers of the figure that eventually evolved and became the Weihnachtsmann. And so every every region has its own history and little pieces added here and there will catch on and that will become the future tradition. We are talking with Tom German, who is the author of Santa Claus Worldwide, A History of St. Nicholas and Other Holiday Gift Bringers. You end the book with an epilogue that says, The Santas of Christmas Future. And can you give us a prediction and let us know what you think that will be? Well, yeah, the Santas of Christmas Future is really trying to make the point that the gift givers will continue to evolve. There are, since the night before Christmas, We've had a few, not very many, a few additional uh, figures. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is the, probably the most common. But w- what I really wanted to emphasize in the book was the diversity of Santa. That Santa, broadly defined, meaning the gift giver, was not specifically a old white male. He <laughs> could be any number of things and was any number of things. In Southern Europe, the gift givers are mostly biblical figures. Chris Kindle is a female version of Christ. She's in a symbolic depiction that she was, uh, it would take a a girl in her, her late teens with long blonde hair, a wreath of, of candles and a long golden dress, and she would be the person who filled that role. In Spain and in Latin America, it's the, they call them the three kings in Spanish, and they are representative of the three magi in the biblical story of, of the nativity who come to visit the baby Jesus. There are gift givers that look just like witches. Uh, Bafana in Italy, Burkta in Germany, and they all have backstories. Bafana supposedly was asked by the three 
wise men, as uh, I've always called them, to come to Jesus, and she turned them down because she had to clean her house. Hmm. And then she quickly realized her mistake and has spent the last 2,000 years trying to make up for it by uh, taking gifts to children all around the world. But the figures are not the only thing that's diverse. The way in which the uh, different nations and different regions celebrate is also diverse. So rather than focus on your own tradition as if that were the only important thing, I encourage people to get out there and see all of these wonderful traditions uh, in America and outside of America for celebrating this time of the year, the winter solstice, that is cold, uh, the things don't grow. The winter solstice or the period around Christmas would be a cold, dark, miserable period if we didn't have these celebrations. And that's what I tell people is enjoy the celebrations. That's what it's all about. Tom, where can we find Let's out more, more about Santa Claus? Is there a website to go to? I have a, a website with pictures of all the historical Santas and just a whole lot of stuff. It's called A Collection of Santas. It's just all one word, no periods, dot com. And there's stuff about the book. There is sort of everything you'd want to know about Christmas. One of the things that I'm hopeful by Christmas Day we'll have up is a video we created last year of all of my Santa figurines <laughs> set up for Christmas. And I think people will enjoy that. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for your time. We've been talking with Tom A. German. It's J-E-R-M-A-N, author of Santa Claus Worldwide. Thank you so much for your time, and enjoy the Christmas season. Thank you, and in the words of Clement Seymour, happy Christmas to all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.